Well, good morning. Welcome to Community Church. Listen, it says here, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And he goes on to say, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding internal, eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. My prayer for all of us this morning is that as clearly as the Apostle Paul spoke this, that we, that would begin to register us, that we would feel the increase of that glory that is exceedingly greater and cannot be, is not worthy of being compared to the suffering. That's causing a diminishment of our strength, a diminishment of our outer man. But we would be fully recognizing the increase of this this glory inside of you. I I pray today that this would not be a vague thing for us, that this would not be a subtle thing. But each time we gather, each time we pray, each time we sing, that we would feel the powerful reverberations of his life inside of us telling us eternity is in our hearts and its power is growing I wonder if we could say that even out loud or in our hearts I have decided to follow Jesus just do that right now just commit it again Jesus I want to follow you I want everything that you have for me. We want to see your will completed. We want to do what you did when you said, not my will, but yours. Lord, we say we have decided to follow Jesus. I remember 1981, August sitting in a bar for months the Lord had been visiting me with conviction showing me the reality pulling on me everything around me everything I thought was real was decaying and falling apart and I was seeing through the veil I was seeing the false motivations of my friends the 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 emptiness of my culture the the uh, pretentiousness of the social order, everything was, was seeing, and, and I thought, there's nothing out here. But I still didn't think I knew how to follow Jesus until one night in August 1981, sitting in the bar, the glory of the Lord came on me. And that was the end. That was the end of my life. That was, I didn't know what was ahead. I didn't know how to do it. I, I just like Paul who, who, who fell off his horse on his way to Damascus. I just said, Lord, I will follow you. I don't know what that means. I'm not pretending. I have the slightest clue how to do this. I'm just saying yes. And the next day I had to say yes again. And the week later I had to say yes again. And all along the journey... It's just saying yes over and over and over. And that's harder to do than you think. But if we do it, the unfolding beauty of heaven 
just begins to unravel itself into our lives and we get to taste and see over and over and over and over and over deeper and deeper and deeper that he is good and that there is none like him but I remember there was a significant point in the journey and it wasn't hard for me because my heart was fully his right off the bat but he began to teach me about money And the Bible says, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And I began to give. I didn't have a lot to give, but I began to give. And there were critical moments when the Lord said, you know, I want you to, are you willing to give this? He asked me to give up things and he asked me to give him things. In the area of finances, he said... I want you to give this. I want you to give this. And there are commitments of faith and sacrifices. But every time he said, I want you to give, I gave. It was a natural reflection of what I'd already said when I said, I will follow you. And I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody today, but if that's hard for you, it's a hard issue. It's not a money issue, it's a hard issue. It's a dependency issue. It's a fear issue. It's an unbelief issue. Let me say something about money for a second. I thought it was the strangest thing. I, I never even knew there was such thing as church politics. I, I, I had no clue. I just, I just loved God. And I just trusted the people that God had put in place. And you know what? Even if they weren't trustworthy, it doesn't... My giving is not dependent upon their trustworthiness. I never even thought it. It never crossed my mind, not for a second. So when I first heard of, a, of people that were mad at the church and then stopped giving, I thought, what? I, honestly, I didn't even think that was possible. I never even heard of that. I, 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 just, I just could not even fathom it. And apparently that's a pretty regular thing. When we give... We're giving to the Lord. And when we're giving by faith to the Lord, our responsibility stops right there. You know, we don't have to camp over it and peer over that that spirit of control. Yeah, that that you know, I want to make sure that I'm exacting every value uh, that whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Man, whatever. That that mindset is so foreign to me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God saved me from falling into that. So, Father, help us today to know that while men are the intermediaries of what's happening, when we give, we give to you. When we serve, we serve you. Everything we do, we do unto you. And each one bears their own responsibility for their obedience. And you, Lord, are the one that are exacting a cost for disobedience and rewarding obedience. Lord, you do that, not me, not not our church political system. So, Father, bless you for the way you have constructed faith to work. Amen. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a friend of mine. He, he happened to know this fairly wealthy businessman in Vancouver. 
And uh, the guy, he was walking with him a little bit, and the guy one day had said something about being, being called to be, be a kingdom, uh, what do you call it, benevolence person. Philanthropist, that's the word. Thank you. Thank you. Who said that? Jim. Oh, Lauren, yeah, there you go. Philanthropist, that's, that's, the, that's the word I was trying to think of. Anyway, he was saying that he was this, and, and so my, my friend challenges him because he felt like, no, you're not that. <laughs> and he said, he said, listen, he said, you know, if, uh, if the Lord told you to give a whole lot of money to a pastor who wasn't pastoring anymore and wasn't really actively on the mission field, but was at home doing nothing in your eyes, would you be able to give to that guy? And he said, no. (laughs) He said, well, then you're not a kingdom philanthropist. I don't know how that went over. (laughs) But, But there's, like, God is looking for people who don't need to justify their obedience through pragmatic ends that meet suit their desires. Our service, whether it's a a word of kindness, whether it's a prophetic exhortation, whether it's going to somebody's house and cutting their lawn for them, whether it's serving a meal, we don't, it's not for us to say, are you worthy of this act? Right? Right? We don't have to do that. Ours is to obey. I love, years ago I heard Yonggi Cho say this. He said, uh, he says, I can, now the words escape me, but it's something like, I hear and I obey. I hear and I obey. I hear and I obey. There are people hearing me today who used to hear God on a whole other level. And you're wondering why you don't hear him the way you used to. I've been challenged by that myself. And I've had to ask the Lord, Lord, have I stopped obeying you in significant ways? Because there's some folks that are watching this on the video, or maybe you're here in the room. God used to talk to you in significant ways that he doesn't anymore, and you don't know why. Check your obedience. Ask him. There's no condemnation in that because we all fail in all kinds of ways and there's no condemnation. We're on a journey. We're learning to obey. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And some of the things we're suffering are consequences of disobedience. And that's fine, you know. We learn how we learn. We can learn from wisdom. We can learn from other people's examples. We can learn from the word. We can learn from revelation. Or we can learn from suffering. You pick. (laughs) Oh, God, I choose wisdom. (laughs) Hallelujah. I choose wisdom. But you know what? Uh, we, we We are what we are. I, a long time ago, I stopped feeling guilty. I stopped fearing the price of disobedience even because I thought, I have to learn the way I learn. And I'm not going to hold over myself 
a false version of, or a false idea of my, my performance, and I'm not going to be so shamed by my lack of performance. I just want to learn. And so God is looking for people who, when they fall down, they get up again. Well, listen, uh, so many things could be said about this weekend. And I'd love to replay every moment because there was so many great things. One of, my, one of, my, one of the great satisfying, beautiful things is not only the participation of our people, and I know some of you couldn't be there, and uh, there are other things, competing things. Some of you are in the middle of a move, and some of you are, got grandkids. Some of you were sick. Some, you know, so there's no condemnation of that. But, uh, but we had an amazing time. But when I watched the quality of the leaders that gathered from across the province, it's, it's humbling. One night we had them come forward. There had to be about 50 leaders of some kind, either ministry leaders, evangelists, pastors, you know, full-time ministers who, like, it, it really a cross-section from the province. And I mean, it wasn't a massive cross-section, but, and, and that's okay, because, you know what, if you're actually going to get a discussion group on quantum physics, chances are not everybody's going to show up. You know, it might be beyond the pay grade of certain people. It might be beyond, beyond the scope of the capacity of our faith or, or the way that we're called to serve. You know, I was thinking about that this, this morning when if you think about a military machine that's, uh, you know, I, I read this great book, Conquest of Europe, which was the autobiography of Dwight Eisenhower. Amazing, amazing book. When you start to look at the logistical demands of that kind of invasion of Normandy, it is absolutely stunning the logistical breadth of what had to go on in the background. Very few of the serving individuals were actually soldiers. It's like, it's like one out of 10 is actually a soldier. The infrastructure that's required to advance militarily is, is so broad, so deep. There are so many facets, and so we all serve in different ways. But the difference between that and sometimes what we get caught up in is everybody understood what the, what the goal was. I mean, when it came to the invasion, the destruction of the Nazi empire, everybody knew that, that this, this thing is being measured by one metric of success. It is the destruction of the Nazi war machine. And so if we're, if we're making grommets back in the U.S. Or we're, or we're sacrificing and we're gathering rubber on the weekends to, to send to, the, you know, doing a rubber drive or a copper drive or a metal, you know, everything all along the way. The little lady that was in the factory sewing, you know, sewing emblems on jackets. Everybody knew that this was unto the same goal. And nobody superimposed a level of importance that did not, wasn't equal to its role. Because that's, that's what egos do. We say, well, you know, people might not realize how distributing sheets is the most important feature of preparing an army, but I'm the sheet distributor, and mine's the most important, and I'm going to build up the empire of the sheet distribution to a way that it becomes the epicenter of everything we're doing, so that people honor my part in this. (laughs) Not going to happen. 
Yet the tendency is to always do that. And in the church, the same thing happens. When we lack identity, when we lack value, when we're looking for glory, we want to amplify the significance of our part to the detriment of another part, and often to the detriment of the ultimate goal of the quest. Well, I don't want to do that. Don't do that. Because God is jealous over the way he measures the finish line. Now, if this sounds like something I wrote this morning and posted on Facebook, you're right. (laughs) But it's not at all what I want to share. (laughs) That's just a freebie. Yeah. What I want to share, I actually have a, 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 a title here. It's called The Founder. The Founder. Anybody ever see the movie The Founder? Oh, one, two, three. Really? Oh, man, what a great movie. Building According to the Pattern. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 40. Uh, it, it, it's this moment where Moses has been shown amazing things about what God is doing and he's been taken to heaven. He's gone up the mountain. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen, but he's being sternly warned here by the Lord. And he said, listen, I showed you a pattern in heaven and this is the warning. This is what it says. It says, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. He's saying, listen, I want you to build something, and when you build, you do not have the option to pick your favorite color. You do not have the option to tweak this according to, well, you know, I like this pattern in the curtains. I feel like this is nicer and better. And, you know, I want to express my creativity. God doesn't want your creativity in that sense. There is a creativity that comes from the Lord. But when it comes to something central to the kingdom, like Moses was doing, the Lord says, no, 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 no. There's no room for variance. Not at all. Opinion, favoritism, preferences, no such thing. This is heaven on earth that we're reproducing here. And so, so don't let that conflict, though, with, you know, what? Are you saying that God has not made me creative? No, absolutely he has. In fact, tapping into the things that are uncreated yet requires a creativity. And so we're not saying that. We're just saying that everything that we do, there is an element of a pattern in it, and that pattern comes from above. And we want to be willing to obey and become accountable to that pattern. And that's what the Lord is telling Moses here. Now, so I, I think about this a lot. And in fact, I, I feel maybe a part of my role is along, along this line. Uh, I had a significant apostolic leader in Guatemala tell me, he said, you know, I know what you are. I said, Okay. He said, you're a quality control expert. (laughs) And and I thought about it. I thought, yeah, I guess in some sense that's what, what I am. Maybe we all are in one sense. But God has called, he's shown me a pattern, and he said, listen, if you're going to produce the kingdom, there is a pattern. 
And the pattern is lengthy and it's, it's uh, intricate, but, but there are essential precepts to that. Now, what does that mean for you? You think, well, well my ministry, I'm an administrator, or I'm a worshiper, or I'm, a, I'm not an apostle, I'm, I'm a helps ministry, or I'm this or that and the other thing. So how does that pattern work for me? Does that mean I've got to shout like you? Does it mean I've got to preach like you? Does it mean I've got to pray like you? Does that mean, like, where does the pattern apply and where does it not apply if we're doing different things? I mean, that's a really important question. And so we're not necessarily doing the same things, but we are adhering to the same pattern. So how does that pattern work for us in our ministries or our service to the Lord? Because just like this weekend, not everybody was doing the same thing. I was doing something different than a lot of the other people. I wasn't taking up the offering. I wasn't, I, 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 you know, I wasn't making the coffee. I wasn't doing the registration. I wasn't, you know, at, at home and I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't the one sponsoring somebody else to go. Like there's just a myriad of different things to do. But here's the pattern for us. All right. You ready? That which is born of God overcomes the world. Jesus said this. The spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I I know I've said this before. But this is the pattern, and we can't deviate from it. What what does that mean for you? Well, you know, if you're called, right, to, to just be faithful, to attend church, to worship, to do your business, to do those things, you have to do that, but... How, do you, how does that fit into the pattern? Are you doing it by the power of the Spirit or by some other power? What is fueling your obedience? What is fueling your energy? What is, what is, at the end of the day, what makes you feel good about yourself? The fact that others say, hey, well done, or the fact that you know that you're doing the right thing by the grace of God. You see, there's, there's a commendation that comes inside your spirit from the spirit of God when you're doing what you're doing by the grace of God. It is its own reward. And you can be a welder, you can be an oil worker, you can be a lawyer, you can be, be a, 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 a grass cutter, you can be an architect, you can be a laborer, you can do anything whatsoever. And the pattern isn't, having a ministry like this guy or having that role or it's where are you getting the impulse from where does where does the thing that you're doing where is the start of it is it coming from him we need to see that there's important patterns and when jesus came he was giving us a pattern and i i feel like even right now i'm bumping up against something in the spirit and, uh, you know, because especially after we've done this Christianity thing for a while and we feel like we've settled in to a pattern, we're like, you know, don't, don't break my stride here. But, you know, Jesus loves breaking your stride. He loves changing the, the tempo. He loves changing the tune, you know, because he, the whole thing is, are you flowing by the wind of the Spirit or have you just adopted to a tempo that you first heard the first day? Remember that there's that story of that blind man? No, the deaf man, and he comes into a great hall and he sees a couple of flaggers. You know, Jenna and uh, Esther, sure, sure. Esther, I was going to say somebody that was here, but uh. anyway, he comes in and he sees these flaggers and, you know, they're happy. 
I mean, have you ever seen Esther not smiling? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, and they're flagging, and of course there's music going on, but this guy's deaf, right? He doesn't even know there is music. Maybe he's, and if he's never, you know, if he's not informed, let's imagine he doesn't even know there, there could be music. He never heard music, doesn't know that there is music because he's, that world he's completely disconnected from. But he sees the joy and he thought, ah, I'd like to do that. And so he ends up, you know, getting the boldness to go in and grab a flag. And, and you know, he's mimicking, he's seeing what they're doing and he's, he's doing it. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, they change. And they start doing it halftime. You know, and they start doing it syncopated. And they start doing it in 6-4 in, in, in time. And, and like, he's, he's like, no, 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 this is, this, this is wrong. He's not hearing the music. And so his rhythms aren't coming out of the music. His rhythms are simply a reproduction of what he saw when he first entered the room. There are moments in our life where we enter the room and we adopt to a style or an activity or a culture. And then we gain a sense of value and we are commended by our capacity to adapt to that. And it's easy. The, the most visible thing is the culture and the activity of the church where we are first born again. But then God changes the culture because he's changing the wind of the spirit. And there's two types of people, those who want to continue with the culture and the expression as it first was, and those who feel the shift in the wind. And everybody who doesn't feel the shift in the wind is suddenly going to be out of step, and they're going to be mad at everybody else who changed. How come he didn't tell me? What are we doing? How am I supposed to integrate with this? This is so bizarre. As many as are sons of God are led by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that gives life. The, 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 the epicenter of our focus has got to be the Spirit, not the learned behaviors that we pick up from being in church for, for a thousand weeks. But the entrenchment of doing things the way that my mother did it, my grandmother and that first pastor that impacted me and and this teaching and that teaching. Yes, no. And I know there's swirls of thoughts. Well, are you invalidating everything that's in the Bible? No. I'm just saying that when Jesus did what he did, he didn't do it because it was in a book. He did it because his spirit was connected with the Lord. This, in this, we are universally on the same page. How do you know you're born again? His spirit witnesses with my spirit that I am a son of God, a child of God. That's how you know you're saved. But you know what we do? We create artificial things to enhance our confidence. And we say, listen, write down the date that you prayed this prayer. And so we write down the date. And is there anything wrong with writing down the date? Absolutely not. But if you derive confidence in your salvation based on a date that you wrote in a notepad, 
That is not the foundation for confidence that you are a son. The foundation for confidence that you are a son or a daughter is that his spirit witnesses with your spirit that you are a son. In other words, you're always getting validation. He's always saying to you, like he said to Jesus, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But, but when we don't have that, we prop up our confidence with artificial measures and then God comes along and invalidates those artificial measures. Like, you know, uh, well, you know, I, 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 I'm a great Christian, and that's, that's how I know I'm the Lord. I'm committed to this thing, and I don't sin, and all of a sudden something happens and you sin. Uh, there goes your confidence, because it wasn't rooted in the source. We have to be rooted in the source. This is what we are as sons and daughters. You've got a, the, the, the fixtures of a culture, of a church that we grew up in, and, and it's, it's not necessarily evil, but it's not the template or the power, the enforcement measure to cause you to evidence that you are a child of God. That should be coming from an invisible connection to a life source that is spirit in nature. Yes. By my spirit, says the Lord. So that's where we're going. And, uh, and anything less than that is flawed. Anything less than that is tapping in, into a different grid, a different electrical power grid. And so they're saying, listen, I want my pattern in your life. And that pattern will be recognizable from saint to saint. That's a beautiful thing. You could be a Baptist, you could be an Anglican, you could be a Catholic, you could be, but if you're genuinely born again and walking in the spirit, when you get in the same room and start worshiping the same God, you are sympathetical. It's because the unity is a unity of the spirit. Well, what do you believe about? Let's see if we have, if we match up on the outside. What do you feel like the highest service is to the Lord? Is it administration or the prophetic? Is it pastoral or evangelism? Well, we need to reach the lost. Well, we need to draw near to God. Well, we need to care for people. In the spirit, all of these activities, though they differ, do not differ from one another in their essence. When they're rooted in the same spirit, the same motivation, the same life, they agree with one another even though their outcomes are variant. <laughs> That's how the kingdom works. Wow, I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking of saying all that. But we want to build according to the pattern. We want to be built according to the pattern. Now, what I really wanted to talk about here is is, is the tendency to, diff, to, to, to go away from the pattern. And that's why I referenced the, the movie The Founder. Let me give you the, the premise of this. The main actor is Michael Keaton. And the, it's about the enterprise of McDonald's. And this guy is a salesman for milkshake machines. Like, you know, just the... So he's going around... In the Midwest and all across the U.S., he's trying to sell these little machines. And he gets this order from, from his office that this little restaurant in California somewhere wants like, I don't know, 10 milkshake things. He could barely sell one. 
I mean, he's trying to go to these little mom and pop shops all over, you know, Kansas and every other place. And he's trying to, and all of a sudden he, 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 he says, uh, he calls the place. He says, oh, this has got to be a mistake. A 10. I, who needs 10? Right? And so he calls him and he, and he says, uh, yeah, I got this order. I thought it might be a mistake. And the guy says, oh, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, yeah, I didn't think you were going to need 10. He says, yeah, send 15. You know, something wild like that. This guy, like, see, he looks on the map where that is, and he makes a beeline over there. And he finds the first McDonald's, and he, he looks at what they're doing. He ends up realizing, this is amazing. I never see anything like it. It's actually, I remember back in those days when I first went to McDonald's, and when I got my order in, like, 30 seconds, it was I mean, you, you young people, you've never been in that world. We used to go to a restaurant, and it would be half an hour, 40 minutes. There was no such thing as fast food. Everything took 40 minutes or longer sometimes if the place was busy. And you sat there twiddling your thumbs and whatever, drinking your drink. And this idea, like he, so he, it was funny. I love this part. He walks up to the window, and I don't really need to share this, but I'm re- reliving the moment. But he walks up to the window and he says, uh, I like a, you know, and he says, it's a drink, a fries, and a burger. And he's standing there and the guy goes, here you go, sir. <laughs> like 15 seconds in. He said, oh, no, no, that, that can't be mine. That must be somebody else's. He said, no, 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 this is yours. This is mine? Really? And he, he eats his burger and he's like, this is the best burger I've ever had. He ends up being involved and they start franchising it's a it's an amazing story now he ends up being a bit of a thief (laughs) but he starts to realize the problem that they got this amazing pattern this amazing system of producing food you know and it's streamlined and there's not a million items on the menu there's just like a small menu and they're producing good quality fast food and so he creates this, this empire, and they start to have franchises. And you know what the problem is? He starts going to the franchises, and they're not doing well. They're not making money. And he's like, how can this be? Because he, he, he was at the first one. I mean, it, thousands of people every day coming to that place. I mean, it was an untold success, right? So he goes to these other franchise, and they're selling pizza and tacos, and, and, and I mean, everything about the pattern has been abandoned, and they made restaurant like every other place. And they, well, no, no wonder you're not winning, that you're not obeying the pattern. You're not building according to the pattern. And so the, the issue becomes, how can I enforce the pattern, the perfect, perfect. Now, you know, this he's, how can I get you guys to do it in a way that works? Well, you know, we think this is just as good. There's your problem. We thought we would add X, Y, and Z. We thought we should add hot dogs and pizza. And tacos and fish tacos. And somebody once wanted, uh, and so we put that on the menu. And it's just a disorganized, convoluted mess because they departed from the pattern. 
That is exactly the same problem God has. <laughs> is all of our opinions, all of our preferences, all of our, well, I think. But here's what's happening. We're starting to realize doesn't, God doesn't care what we think. That he did the thinking already. <laughs> you know, about the, the essential ingredients of the pattern. Now, the beauty with God is there's, there's creativity, but it's creativity that always comes out of the pattern. Not creativity to determine the pattern, but the, the tendency for us to value our own thoughts and stick to them. Where do divisions come from? Where do church splits come from? Where, do, where does dishonor come from in the body of Christ? Well, I think we should do this song more often. Why don't you do the song that I like? You know, I suggested that we do this and you didn't do that. And, and on and on it goes. Now, praise God. Something's changing. Because we're blessing his name. Something's changing. And a people with an appetite who maybe have learned through trial and error, who learned obedience to the, their suffering, they're realizing, like, maybe Dr. Phil's speaking in your ear. How's that working out for you? <laughs> okay, how's that working out for you? Listen, success is guaranteed if you follow the pattern. Is it immediate? No. Is it without pain? No. Is it, is it, is it, does it take time? Yes. Is there death involved? Lots. But at the end of the road, life and life abundantly is the promise. Life and life abundantly is the promise. Life and life abundantly is the promise. And I want you to know that, that I'm so happy that God held my feet to the fire because there were so many times. Let me tell you, if you want to, have, you want to look for somebody who had their own thoughts, I had my own thoughts as to how God would, should do the church. You know, and I, I, sort of, I sort of saw what he was doing, and I, I, I superficially got a sense of that, and I thought, well, we'll just do that. But I, I didn't realize I only had a superficial idea of the, you know, the very top layer. You saw icing, but nothing underneath. And so I did what I saw, and I realized there's, there's no power in this. Like, God's not really blessing this. There's no anointing. There's no, like, I, I went out to do evangelism because they say do evangelism, and I go down to the street, and I'm reading the red, and I'm going out, and I'm saying the red to other people, and it's not having the same effect that Jesus had. Now, I could say, well, the Holy Spirit's not doing that anymore. Or, you know, uh, God just did not ordain them to be saved, and so he, their hearts are hardened and there's no chance. So, you know, it's all predetermined, and, and, and so your efforts are, are immaterial. There's all kinds of theological bents that are out there to justify our lack of success. God doesn't want to. God's busy. God will do it later. That dispensation passed. Well, and on and on and it goes. What are all those? Those are manifestations of another pattern based on another preference. And it's usually, it didn't work for me, so let's do something different. God is saying, is there a people who start from the premise, God is right? God is right. God is right. 
God is right. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So when something doesn't overcome the world, I immediately look at what I did and say, what isn't God here? That's what I do. That's what I've done the whole time. And I'm still doing it. Why? Because I was just as stubborn as everybody else. Yeah, but I like it this way. So um, this is always the problem. But a people are rising with an appetite for the answer. An appetite that says, I don't need to distinguish myself in the eyes of others by doing it my way. You know, what's his name? He's already dead and gone. I did it my way, guy. What's his name again? Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. God rest his soul. I pray that he's not in hell. But when you do it your way, that's the result. When you commit to that, when your whole life is, I did it my way. Father, Father, give us hearts that, that, that quickly respond in obedience. I, uh, I watched a lot of these cooking shows. Gordon Ramsay. Now, Gordon Ramsay is not God. But he's... <laughs> But you have, you have this juxtaposition of people who have theoretically the same title as him, which is chef. I went to culinary school. I'm a chef. Gordon Ramsay, you're a chef. We have this restaurant, and it's bombing. Nobody's coming here. Yet, our food is excellent. And our service is top-notch. And there's nothing about this restaurant that I would ever change. Because I know, because I also am a chef. (laughs) And that's the attitude he runs into all the time. And he said, you've adopted a pattern, and you you don't have a sense of the quality it takes to make food. You have some of the steps, how to cook an egg, how to boil an egg, a one-minute egg or a three-minute egg or whatever, you know, bacon, jam, jelly, whatever your sauce is, I know how to make. But when I taste your sauce, it's junk. (laughs) Wouldn't feed that to my dog, he says. Now, he's being extreme because he's dealing with pride. He's dealing with intransigence that says, I'm just as good as you. Evidently not. I have, you know, a couple of, uh, I don't know if he's got a couple of hundred, but I've got lots of restaurants and all of them are successful. And people are beating the door to get into my restaurants. And you are sitting there telling me your restaurant is as good as any others. You don't know why people aren't coming. It must be some factor disconnected from the quality of my food because my food is amazing. The Bible says that Jesus is the desire of the nations. Now, I know there's a contingency of people out there that are deeply aligned with the darkness and whose goals and his reason for being is rooted in a kingdom that is hostile and the polar opposite of the kingdom of God, but there's a a bulk of people, millions and millions and millions who are caught in the web of darkness they don't understand. And if they were just presented with the beauty of Jesus, they would come. 
they would respond. They're hungry. Yes, do they have their own opinions, their own ideas, their own thoughts? Absolutely. Will they have to learn obedience through the things that they suffer? Absolutely. But at their basic level of their heart, they long, they want Jesus. And if they could just see the desire of all nations, it would spawn desire in them. So here's our quest. What are we presenting? What are we presenting? Are we presenting a culture? Are we presenting a religious system? Are we presenting a tradition? Are we presenting, uh, or are we presenting life in the spirit? This is what God is trying to say. He said, and this is what Jesus, the substance of everything I'm doing. You can watch what I do, you know, when I walk, and you could try and mimic the way I walk. That's not how Jesus walked. But, but this is what people do. We, we grab a hold of the superficial aspects of we think of what it should look like. We reproduce that and say, and then we, we, we get mad at the people for not getting saved. And the Lord says, no, what I did wasn't quite that. Have you ever, sometimes I'll do this, I'll, I'll be singing a song. And I said, do you know that song? I'm trying to remember the words. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm singing the part I know. And she's like, uh no, no, we, we, you know this one. We, we sing it all the time. And then somehow we land on the song. She says, I said, yeah, that's what I was singing. No, you weren't. <laughs> I don't know what you were singing, but it wasn't that. Because I don't have a good memory for, for the intricacies of the melodies, you know, the exactness that reproduced that. So um, to me, in my mind, it sounds like the song, but it's not. <laughs> so here we are doing kingdom doing church and we believe we, we believe I'm doing my best well God doesn't care you're doing your best are you doing it like him your best version is not what he's looking for see us doing our best is saying over here okay how are you doing that okay you went one then two ah okay like, you know, we pick up on these superficial activities and then we go and reproduce them. That's what I was doing in my evangelism. What do you do? You go down on the street, you get on a bullhorn, you say, get saved. <laughs> Jesus loves you. But you're not producing the kingdom and there's no shift in the atmosphere and the, the words are not spirit enough that they get past all their defenses and go right down and strike the core of their heart. Spirit in life has a... Tr- transcendent power that does things that the form of godliness can't. And the proof that it's not the same is the outcome. And so we always have to be accountable to what's happening. What's the result? Well, I've got four people who say I'm great. My mom You know, I just heard a story. This guy's an apostle. He's got no church, no significant ministry. I've got a couple of ladies who say he's an apostle. And there you go. God uses me. Yeah, but how much? There's, there, look around. Expose yourself to others. Come under others. Connect, learn. Learn from your dysfunction. Learn from your failures. Learn from... 
you know, if you can't even change the people closest to you, what makes you think you're going to change a nation across the world? Hunger and thirst for life enables you to absorb the humiliation of realizing you didn't quite do it the way Jesus did it. And even though we're quick to say, you know, I would never claim to do that, everything else speaks to the contrary. Our refusal to change, our offense when people say it could have been better. Are you sure you're an apostle? (laughs) So much is coming out of insecurity. So much is coming out of pride. So much is coming out of I want to be something. So much is coming out of a superficial understanding of what it is. I've mimicked the thing. It's not working. Must be something wrong with the pattern. No, the pattern is right. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9 to 13. We are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a mass, wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. In other words, Paul says, listen, I got taken up to heaven. I got shown a pattern. God put something inside of me. And everything I'm doing, I'm doing according to a kingdom pattern. <sighs> I've laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each one Take heed how he builds it, how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. The ultimate moment, we're going to stand before him and the essence of who he is will test those things to see how parallel, how equivalent, how consistent they are with his nature. Was that thing born in humility? Was that thing born in generosity? Was it born from above? Was it my spirit that was the catalyst for that thing coming into the world? Was it birthed or was it fabricated as a reproduction by the hands of men? That will become clear in that day. We don't have to wait till that day. The evidence is right in front of us. All day. Every day. The voice of wisdom cries in the street. But we are so wanting to be something we're not. No. What I did is born of God. God told me. Yeah, but it did nothing but bring devastation to your life and your family. And there's no evidence. There's no... There is no anointing. You've produced no fruit. There's no fallout. Like, compare yourself. And I don't want to elevate anybody, but I would look at Kim Wheeler as a missionary. And I've seen lots of missionaries go to the field and take a crack at producing the kingdom. And the ones who produce the kingdom, fruit, influence, acknowledgement, leaders, you know, not just their grandmother and a few of her prayer buddies, but, you know, the people respond and are changed and something flourishes and grows and develops. There's fruit that comes with the kingdom. It always comes. So we have a choice. 
Am I going to live in denial? Am I going to take the meager results of the slimmest amount of evidence that I'm, I'm okay? I cannot dare to even fathom that I'm not okay. I'm so fragile. Then you don't know who you are. And everything that you're doing is coming out of the insecurity of not knowing who you are when God is saying, I want to speak over you. I want to tell you you're my son and daughter. I want to, I want to put that security of identity inside of you. And I want to knit you with the wind of my spirit so that everything you do comes out of that and not out of proving to the world that you're valid. Yeah. And the difference is astronomical. I don't want to spend another moment wasting producing wood, hay, or stubble that's going to be consumed in a flash. I don't want to spend 40 years propping up a culture that was fabricated in 1905. And it is the ancient ruins remainder, the framework of something that God long abandoned. All we kept were the songs and the style of service. God's not there anymore. Let's go with him. What is he inhabiting? Where is his presence? What does he love? Let's attach ourselves to that because the alternative is attaching ourselves to the works of our own hands and demanding that the world validate it. If you don't honor this, you don't love God. The proof is in the pudding. Ah, oh, yeah, that may seem like a hard word. But it'll save you years. It'll save you energy. Save you friendships. Might save your family. It'll give you reward in heaven. That you'll be glad that you sacrificed so little for so much. Right now, we're reluctant to give up so much that we th- because we think it's so much, but it's not. Paul said... He said, my suffering's not worthy to be compared with the glory. I held to a system. I was vigilant. I was productive. I was, I was harsh against those who seemed to be opposed to it. I even killed an apostle of the Lord in my zeal to propel this system. And now I consider it dung. Because I've seen the eternal quality of something that's not going to pass away, and I'm giving my life to that. Father, we don't want to give our lives to things that prop up our reputation, our names that testify well of us, that, that, that provide in the short term some kind of commendation so people say, ooh, ah, about us. Father, we want to be fashioned and formed by the breath of your mouth, the, the sword that comes out of your mouth, the shaping of your hand, Lord. We want to be your workmanship and nothing less. So, Father, shock us now. Don't shock us later. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for listening to me this morning. I don't think that was a hard word.
right? I feel like it's just, again, we're all trying to get lined up with our king, and that's what it comes down to, right? And that's all we're talking about today is we know we see the issues, we see the flaws, we see where we're hitting, missing things all the time, but it comes down to one thing. There is one design, one design, and we have to get in line with that design, and everything shifts, everything changes when we do that, right? right? And it's good to look in the mirror when we realize it's not functioning the right way. It's not happening. I'm not successful. And that's where we can lay down that pride and say, all right, I'm going to put that down, and I'm going to shift. I'm going to figure out what he's doing, and I'm going to jump on board, right? So God, help us to jump on board with what you want to do. Let us see us. Let us see it. Let us hear it. Let us do it in Jesus' name, God. The ideas that are not birthed from you, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you take them out. Take them away. Let them fall to the ground, God. And right now, birth your ideas in our hearts, in our minds. When we walk into our schools, when we walk into our workplaces, your ideas, your thoughts, your way, let it arise within us now in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen. Oh, that's what we want. Father, in Jesus' name, let your presence go with us, each and every one. Amen. Bless you all.